You're listening to episode 266 of the Mad Chatters podcast, November 29th, 2021. Most everyone's mad here. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of the Mad Chatters Podcast, your very important date with the happenings at Walt Disney World and around the Disney universe. My name is Derek, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Jeremy. As the dyslexic Santa says, oh, oh, oh. Hey, I have a question. Do you still have that sexy 50th anniversary map that we said we were going to give away to a listener. Derek, I started to blush. I didn't know where you were going with that. Uh, <laughs> and wherever you were going, the answer was going to be yes. Uh, but yes, I do. In fact, look, I'm holding it now in my hand. The map. Um, the map I'm holding. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we want to give a listener this map. We said, send us your emails. Let us know you want it. We got some very lovely emails, and we do have a winner. So before we kick off the official show, I do want to congratulate Katie Beth Fowler from Athens, Georgia. She is going to be receiving this map at some point in 2021 in the mail. Yes, I'm going to put it in the mail, Katie. Wow, Derek's giving me side eyes because he knows I'm apathetic. But um... <laughs> No, that was more like we are going to as a team, do our best to remember this. Oh, yes. No, I'm going to put it in the mail. As we are recording this, it is currently Monday, and I'm putting it in the mail on Wednesday because I also have a package that I have to mail to my family, and that I've been very apathetic on. So I have to take that on Wednesday, and I'm going to send it to Katie. And Katie, I've also been cleaning out some, some drawers and things, and I found some other Disney goodies that I'm going to send you as well. Don't get too excited. It's nothing too too uh, <laughs> valuable, but um, stuff you may enjoy. Like, look, this is a – you can't find these anymore, Derek, post-COVID. So this may be worth something. This is a safety card from Disney Transportation. Do you see who's on it? That's – It's Pumbaa and Timon. There you go. And look, it even has a safety tip on it. When stepping high or stepping low, safely is the way to go. There you go. So that's coming to you, too, as, uh, as well, Katie, as well as some other fun things that Jeremy has collected throughout the years. And now they have to go. Very cool. Listeners, whoever, all of you who entered, thank you so much. We're going to try to do more things like this in the future. We've been uh, dragging our feet on, uh, you know, giving back. But I like this. So congratulations, Katie Beth. On today's show, we have another edition of one of my personal favorite segments, a Mad Q Party. But before we get to that, you know, we haven't really talked about Run Disney a lot on this podcast. Mostly that's because Jeremy and I have never run a Run Disney event. We know very little about it. Uh, but in a little over a month, I will be participating in my very first Run Disney event. And I have a lot of questions. So today we have brought on a special guest who we hope has all the answers, not only because 
She reports on the Disney parks in her daily life, but also because she just participated in the Disney Wine and Dine Half Marathon weekend earlier this month. So to fill us in on how those races went and uh, hopefully to answer some of my questions, we're excited to welcome Brooke McDonald. Hello. Thank you for having me. So excited to be here. Yeah, we're excited to have you. Now, since you're new to some of our listeners, do you want to kind of tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do? Sure. Um, so I am I'm an editor, a writer. I'm based in Chicago, um, and I cover, uh, as a freelance writer for a whole bunch of different outlets, um, I cover Disney Parks, Disney Cruise Line, the resorts, um, and just kind of all things Disney, um, including Run Disney. And uh, I started doing the races Um I haven't been doing them for that long. Uh, my first race weekend was in 2019, but um, once you get into it, it, it's pretty addictive. And so um, I've, I've signed up for all of them this year. And I did, as you said, just complete the wine and dine half marathon weekend. Um, so excited to talk about that. Well, that actually answers one of my questions, because since you have done some of the earlier ones, I'm curious, this was the first one since the parks have reopened um, you know, post in quotes, but post pandemic. So I'm curious, like what were the, some of the main differences you noticed from pre pandemic races versus this most recent one? Yeah. So this was the first one back. Um, the last race prior to the pandemic was the Disney princess half marathon weekend in February of 2020. And then there were, um, and then the start, there was a star Wars weekend that was canceled. And then they, um, I think they even launched 20, they, you know, announced 2020 races. I think there was some hope, if I recall, that we did them in person, but that everything went virtual. Um, so this was finally the first one back in person, Wine and Dine, um, which is the first kind of weekend in a in a race season, in a run Disney race season. Um, to answer your question, so first race weekend back, and uh, I have to say it felt so much like past weekends. Um, we were all surprised, didn't really know what to expect. Um, you know, everything was outdoors. Um, I didn't feel that they, there wasn't a lot done to kind of, you know, create any sort of distancing. Um, so we kind of corralled in a similar way. Um, and masks were on, of course, masks were on indoors at the expo, um, and on transportation but there wasn't really anything in terms of COVID protocol that felt a whole lot different. Um, one of the best parts about Run Disney Race Weekends are the character meet and greets. Um, so this was something really exciting, not just for the return of Run Disney, but I think for Disney fans in general, because this was also um, right at the beginning of November was the first time that we really saw character meet and greets return in park as well. Um, so this was the first time anybody was really getting you know, getting close and taking pictures of characters again. Um, no hugs. Uh, we, you didn't get that close to them. So it was still a little bit of a distance meet and greet. Um, but it felt quite similar. Okay. So like the, you would say the number of photo ops were, was about the same as before? I would say on the course. Um, yes, there were a ton of characters on the course. Um, and in terms of the format, the way it works with Run Disney is you really, you don't stop and chat. You don't hug. You just kind of um, zip up there, stop at the character really quick. Um, there will, there's always a line of, you know, maybe there's usually a line of maybe up to 20 people. Um, there's a photo pass photographer. 
or you can do selfies. Um, some characters, they actually didn't have a photo pass and it was selfie only, but that was, um, that was the exception, not the rule. Um, and basically you just kind of pause, you smile, they take one photo and you're on your way. Um, and there's no scanning of photo pass or anything like that. Um, it's just all tied to your bib number and they all show up in your, my Disney experience afterwards. So it's uh. very fast. So there's not even that, you know, slow down of tapping the band. Um, it's just you literally jump up next to the character, do a quick smile, and then take off on your way. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so it's quick, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, the, the thing I'm most excited about is the character photo opportunities, but also the course itself. So I, I'm curious, like, what races did you run, and where did it take you through property? Um, let's see, so I ran the 10K and the half marathon. And so for half marathon weekends... Um, they do, they typically call that a two course challenge when you do the 10K and the half. Um, so it's 19.3 miles in total. Um, and when you do that, you get, uh, you know, you get the medal and the shirt from both races, and then you get an additional challenge medal and shirt. So um, I actually ended up adding, I was only planning on doing the half. Um, I just really like that race and that distance, and I don't feel like it completely wears you out for the whole weekend. Um, but then I saw Jack Skellington and Oogie Boogie on the 10K medal and Ursula on the challenge medal. So sometimes you just got to, <laughs> once they announce those themes, it makes it even more compelling. Um, the 10K we ran through, the parks we ran through were just Hollywood Studios. Um, and then along, just a little bit of Hollywood Studios and then along the boardwalk, um, or no, actually that one we ran around the opposite end of the boardwalk. So around Yacht and Beach Club um, and then into Epcot uh, and then finished at Epcot. Um, so obviously that's a much shorter course for just the 10K. Um, that's 6.2 miles. Um, and then for the half marathon, this was an absolutely incredible course. I love this was one of my favorite courses ever. Um, we started out and I, Jeremy, you probably know uh, the, the roads in the area better than I do, but there was this one big long straightaway on, you know, road lined with trees and they had all of this amazing, all of these light effects, um, this really cool music. And it just felt, um, I got this kind of villain's grove vibe. If you've ever done villain's grove at Oogie Boogie Bash. Um, so it was really, really cool. This was a, yeah, the theme was a, wickedly delicious. Um, so it was a villain's theme. Yeah. Tell us. That's a bear Island road. So yeah. for those who don't know, it's, um, it's actually a backstage area, but you really aren't supposed to be there. Uh, because I don't know how far back did you go the whole way to where it like connects by cast connection? I think so. You know, it's so hard when you start. So we're starting these races. Um, you set your alarm for 2 a.m. <laughs> we we had to get there. I think you had to be there by 3.30. So it is pitch black when you start. Um, and it's kind of, so that was part of what was really cool about it at that point too, because it was all you could see. There were trees on either side and the lighting effects were that whole straightaway. Yeah, and it, does it take you by the water treatment area yes. back there? Okay, yes. yeah. So, fun fact too, you'll um, that's where Cast Connection is, which is if you know cast members, that's where like they send all the cheap and um, discarded merchandise that cast members can buy at a discount. Uh, oh, it's cool. back there, as well as um, bus maintenance is back there. So you ran by that, you didn't know, but yeah, that's very kind of creepy. Um, I wouldn't want to be back there 
after dark by myself because there's a lot of wild animals that live in that area as well. And it's called Bear Island Road for a reason, so. Oh my gosh. Well, luckily, you know, you're surrounded by a couple thousand of your closest friends, so. Um, for sure. <laughs> yeah, so, so that, so we started out there and then the first park that we ran through was Animal Kingdom. And it was still dark at the time and they had uh, all of the holiday lights were turned on and the music. Um, so being in that park in the dark and then, and we ran, we, we ran through so much, almost the entire park. Um, it really felt like we did a really more complete lap of it than I've remembered in past races. Um, so not only did we get the holiday lights, but we got the bioluminescence in Pandora and then circled around in front of the tree of life, which had projections on it. Um, so, and then you run out by Dinoland. That part is really, really wonderful. Um, I think famously sort of the most boring part of the races, the courses typically are between Animal Kingdom getting over to Hollywood Studios. Um, so they do a really, yeah, they do a really good job and, and it gets kind of light then. And then all of a sudden you, know, you see a lot of the cars going by. Um, but they do a really good job of having a lot of characters during that time. Are you on BVD, that road, going from Animal Kingdom to Hollywood? Like, do you pass Blizzard Beach? Yes. And Coronado? Wow, that's quite a stretch. Uh, I didn't realize that. So even though I'm at Walt Disney World basically every two weeks, I almost exclusively stay on property and almost exclusively take Disney transportation. So I don't pay a lot of attention to what the actual roads are. No, but that does give me a better idea of just the uh, how extensive this course mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. I want to say when you enter Hollywood Stu- when we entered Hollywood Studios during this course, um, it was mile ten. I think there was a mile ten marker right there. So you are in the home stretch for the last two parks. So. Um, Hollywood Studios is a pretty brief little um, little section just uh, behind Tower of Terror and kind of you basically just loop around and run right out the front. And then um, and then we ran okay. along that, you know, the path from Hollywood Studios over to the boardwalk. Um, and it gets a little it gets very congested there because that's quite a narrow walkway along the water. Um but then when you hit the boardwalk, um, that's where there are always a lot of spectators. It is a really, really fun moment. That's the place where you see, at least during um, during the most of the half marathons, that's where you see the most um, spectators. So that's a really fun moment. And then we circled much more of Epcot um, than we have, at least in my last race or two. Um, we went all the way, almost all the way around World Showcase, ent- entered um, international kind of, I think we enter backstage, but you know, over there by the UK. Um, and then you go, we went all the way around world showcase, um, and then circled around in front of spaceship earth too. Oh, okay. It used in, in the other courses that I've done, you actually never ran by spaceship earth. You sort of just entered, um, back, you know, through world showcase and then exited over by Mexico. So you'd kind of, you'd go backstage there before you ever got to spaceship earth. Um, so this was overall just an absolutely phenomenal half marathon course. I heard so many runners say that it was their favorite ever. And I think it was just the combination of the timing, those lights in animal kingdom, and just how much of each of the parks we circled. Um, there's no magic kingdom for this race weekend. Okay. And, and I'm and obviously the race will probably be a little bit different for the half in January, but 
I don't think they do the Magic Kingdom even for that one. Am I wrong? For the half, at least. I don't believe they've released the courses yet. No, not. Oh, they do that ahead of time? They do release the courses ahead of time. So you will oh, know. Um, so perfect. it's not a surprise. You you can look and see where you're going. Um, but it's not, But it is always kind of a surprise when, when you do see where you're actually going. Yeah, yeah. Princess Weekend, definitely the half goes through Magic Kingdom. Yeah, okay. I do have some logistics questions, and these are just very selfish questions because I need to plan, but hopefully some of our listeners have the same questions. So you said, you know, set your alarm early, get there at a specific time. Is, I assume, maybe not a leading question, that there's a benefit to staying on property? Do Can you tell if it's harder to get to the starting point if you're not on property? Yes. So one thing, um, this... In past race weekends, um, you started, you both started and finished at Epcot. Um, this race weekend, people, you started at Magic King in the Magic Kingdom parking lot and finished at Epcot. So, um, so that's one thing your car, you know, if you were to drive and park, your car is not going to be in the same place. Um, and I know that, uh, so people who did drive and parked actually parked at TTC and had to take transportation to the starting line. So, um, so unlike if you were to start at Epcot and you could at least just drive and park right there, um, it was even more of a disadvantage. Um, and then obviously for, you could take a ride share, but it's, it's hard to count on the availability of ride share, um, at that time of night. So, um, I took, I stayed at Animal Kingdom Lodge and I took resort transportation to both races, um, never wait they keep the buses coming frequently i never waited more than you know i don't know maybe five or ten minutes for each of them um they always have coffee they have a coffee stand set up in the lobby at the disney resorts um and so that's kind of a nice little park that you can grab that on your way um but yeah i i really think it was i i would totally recommend staying on property for that reason because it's nice to just have the transportation and then post race there are buses just sitting there waiting for you. Um, when you're done with your race, there you know, there's just a steady stream of them. Oh, perfect. It's also important to say um, that these races happen rain or shine, particularly this last race weekend, weekend very much a rainy weekend. Yes. So, oh, God love them. The poor 5K runners got absolutely soaked. Um, fortunately, that was the shortest race, but... It rained the whole time they were corralling, basically the whole race. It was just, I mean, that day was a monsoon day, all day. Um, and it, it kind of just spit on us all, <laughs> all day, um, all morning for the 10K. But yeah, that's, I mean, that's a, that's a tip. These particularly marathon weekend, it is, it, it can be really, really cold in Orlando at <laughs> 3 a.m. in January. So um, one of the things that, uh, at the end of the race, you know, they give you those Mylar, um, you know, those like emergency heat blankets. Um, yeah. and so one thing that I always do is save mine from the previous race weekend. And so then I bring them, uh, in the morning and then you can just toss them. Um, but basically what, what the runners typically do is buy cheap clothes um that you're willing to just throw away and bring extra bring extra warmth for corralling because you you stand for typically up an hour even up to 90 minutes before you start running 
sometimes it can be even more than that for the marathon. Um, and then everybody just tosses their clothes to the side, <laughs> their extra sweatshirts and everything off to the side. And then Disney does collect them and donates them. Oh, wow. Look at that. I love that. I, I had no idea. Yeah. Derek likes to run shirtless, so it's important <laughs> that uh, he knows that. <laughs> yeah, I want to get down to the bare minimum by the time the race is over. Uh, so, but the corrals, are, are you corral, are you given a specific corral? Or for instance, if I know other people from around the country who are also running, could we plan to show up at the same time and start together? So this was a big change this year. Um, corralling, you, except for the very first group, it used to be that there were um, a lot more corrals. Uh, this year, there were only four. I want to say that it maybe went up to like, H or higher um, in the past. And this one, there were just four. And except for the first, so it used to be more staggered for um, submitting proof of time to be in several of the early corrals. And then it was kind of, you know, just honor system. You basically submit, you know, where you your anticipated finish time. And it makes a lot of sense to be honest um, because, you know, you're going to be surrounded by people who are sort of running on pace with you. Um, and so there are obviously benefits to starting earlier. You don't wait as long. Um, you know, the lines for characters aren't as long if you're in an early corral. But, you know, it, it's, the, it's the right thing to do, I think, to be honest about your anticipated finish time. Um, but so this year, after the first one, all the rest of them were just based on your um, whatever you plugged in as your projected finish time. Um, and it was, like I said, only four of them. So it was four very big corrals. Um, and if you wanted to run with a friend, the way to do it would be that you would just need to either put in the same, you know, projected finish time, your your expected pace. Um, or if you are in an earlier corral and they're in a later one, you could always drop back and okay. start in a in a later corral with a friend. Okay, cool. Um, really the only other thing that, and we, we can let you, you know, share stories or, or whatever, give tips. Um, the only thing I'm personally curious about is the expo. What, what to expect from that, how it works, how long it lasts, what it's for. Yeah. Okay. So the expo is, um, it's a lot of fun and it's really a, you know, it, it's a component of the race weekend. So I would totally recommend carving out a few hours to spend there. If it's particularly, if it's your first one and you really want to experience it. Um, there are a few different sections. Um, one, is you start with picking, picking up your bib and is that what you, yeah, you pick up your bib first and then, um, you take that and then you go to a different section where you collect your shirts. Um, and you can try them on too. And if they have extra supply, if you order the wrong size or it doesn't, you don't like the way it fits, you can trade sizes for your shirts, um, or shirt if you're just doing one race. And then the main expo floor has lots of different booths, um, everything from sponsors. So, you know, typically it'll be Otterbox and Aftershocks. And this year there was a, you know, a big impossible booth um, where they, you know, had little games and you could, you know, win coupons or impossible burger socks and fun things like that. Um, and then there are, uh, you know, companies that do, you know, that, sell running products um there are people who do taping for you know if you've got problems here or there there are massage like massage you know people selling massage tools and the um, like stick rollers and things like that um you know just a lot there are a lot of really knowledgeable running companies running people um and it's 
kind of a fun community aspect to go around and talk to people. Sometimes you can pick up some tips. My favorite person to visit at the expo is Jeff Galloway. Jeff is, um, he's the official run Disney training consultant. He's a former Olympian. He's been running marathons for many marathons a year for decades. Um, and he created this run, walk, run training method. Um, which is, has become a really big thing with Run Disney, um, particularly. So he, he has this method where it's basically you insert, um, walking intervals into your running. Um, and I do it myself, actually. I do two minutes running, 30 seconds walking. And the logic behind it is that these little walk, these little short walking intervals are basically micro recoveries, um, So rather than just going all out hard for an entire race, you have these short components where your body is given time to recover and you're not as sore at the end. You're not as tired at the end because you've kind of been recovering the entire time that you were running. And there's a lot of research and data behind it. And typically people, runners who use this method will finish, I can't remember if it's a marathon or a half marathon. I think it's maybe a marathon. will finish up to 13 minutes faster by adding those walking intervals versus if they had run the whole time. Great. I'm totally going to use that as an excuse. Every check time. That. I was going to say, <laughs> the, the look on Derek's face right now, you just blew his mind. I think you've just changed his entire strategy now for the next month and a half as well, he trains. I mean, it's a Disney race, so I don't know if I have a strategy. That's what I've been forcing to tell myself is like, do not run this race for time because you spent money to see the characters, enjoy the course, like enjoy the experience, not to have a personal best. And I keep trying to tell myself that leading into this. Well, I'm so glad that you brought that up because I think that that, I mean, that's kind of my, one of my big tips, even when you get really serious runners in these races and you do have, you know, the first corral, there are people who are just going for time and they're not stopping for characters. And you do have, um, you know, regular run Disney runners who do try to improve on their last race and do go for time to some extent, but it's kind of Disney time because you still want to do some (laughs) of those stops. Um, this particular race weekend, I heard so many people kind of say as a badge of honor, this was my slowest finish ever. Um, and it's not because anybody was running more slowly. It's because everybody just wanted to soak it all in being there. You know, you're in the park and you want to stop and look at the tree of life while it's all lit up. Uh, you know, you want to stop and see every one of those characters. And if you just throw your you know, you just say, I'm just going to finish this race. Um, you know, maybe I'll run fast when I'm actually running, but uh, I totally recommend that plan. Just take it all in and don't worry about what your actual finish time is. Yeah, well, on that note, we can sort of wrap up this discussion. I, I just, I, you know, I hear from people like, you you enjoy running? You know, so obviously everybody has their own thing. For me, I like to run. Some people don't get it. But what do you say to people who are like, why would you want to go down to Disney? to run why would you want to spend money to do a running event what's i guess the overall like what makes run disney special it is a really incredible community um i have to say so many people who have said you know i'm not a runner but i love disney and this is just one you know this is just one more disney thing that i want to try and i want to do um these races have converted so many people to actual lifelong runners Um, And I think it's because there's this really supportive community. It's because 
the official run Disney race training program involves walking. You know, it's, you know, Jeff's program is so accessible to everyone. Um, and there are pacers actually on the course. There are pacers who do the run, walk, run method. So they will take, um, they will take runners all the way through and they, you know, and everybody raises their hand and switches to walking and then runs again. So first of all, I think these races are really accessible to everyone. Um, the character component, the theming, you know, all of the details of being in these closed parks, um, in the middle of the night, there's just something so special and so different about it. Um, so I would say even people who say I'm not a runner, you know, try one once and, <laughs> and then let's see if you end up doing them and getting addicted. Jeremy. If you're like me, I'm a big porta potty enthusiast. So I love seeing all the porta potties mm. all throughout the race course. So that's that's what drives me to do it. Well, one more tip for you on that front. If you are not a porta potty enthusiast, just time it so that if you need a bathroom stop, you can go in the parks because then you get real bathrooms. It's not all porta potties. <laughs> when you run through the parks, you can use the real bathrooms. That is a good tip, actually. But if you're out in the middle of uh, if you're out in the middle of World Drive, it is. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah. It is very funny to me because with Disney, you know, it's all about uh, on stage and everything is is looks good and and then we just bring Johnny on the spots and stick them all over property the day before a race weekend and it's like, well, so much for being uh, you know spotless on stage, but whatever. No, I I want to echo what you said. I'm not really a runner. Um, I mean, I, I I do it a little bit, not to what Derek does. And maybe one day I'll do this. But um, that aspect of being in the parks when it feels like you're not supposed to be there. Um, as a cast member, I love that. And I feel like the average person doesn't get that. So this is definitely an opportunity to get that, um, especially in the wee hours of the morning. There's something extra magical about Disney property when everybody else is asleep. Yes. Well, and, and one more thing that we should probably say before we move on then is that um, for anyone listening who is interested in getting into this, there is one more race weekend for this season, which hasn't gone on sale yet. Um, the springtime surprise weekend, and it is actually even more unique than um, any of the others in some ways because they are um, they're bringing back some different courses that are in different uh, distance that they used to do. But the 5K is um, the Expedition Everest 5K, and the race is actually at night. Um, they used to do night races, but they haven't in a long time. And so it's a 10 p.m. start time, and it's like a 5K combined with a scavenger hunt. Um, that one sounds like a lot of fun. And then the 10K is themed to um, Remy. It's themed to Ratatouille, I believe. And then, um, and then there's a different distance than normal the tower of terror 10 miler so um a little bit more accessible than a half marathon but still a really long you know big accomplishment kind of distance um so i don't know i'm super excited about that weekend it sounds like a lot of fun i know i wish it weren't so close to the one i'm doing because i was so excited to see 10 miler because one thing I've said leading up to this, as someone who's never run a half, I'm like, why is there nothing between 6.2 miles and 13.1? Like, that's more than twice as much. So I love the idea of doing 10 miles. Yeah, that's a great distance, too, if you want to still be able to, you know, enjoy the parks all weekend. Because people are traveling down and they still want to have fun and have time to um, hit the parks. And I'll, I mean, and people do. And I will say walking around a theme park after you've run a race is actually a good way to recover. It's better to keep moving than to just 
sit around anyway. So for sure, for sure. Well, cool. Well, thank you so much for sharing all that. I'm very excited. Uh, and I'll probably see you on the course. Absolutely. Can't wait. get to today's mad q party we're excited to have brooke stick with us for this segment to anyone who is new this is a segment where we have come up with 10 sort of hypothetical questions about the disney universe at large and we're just going to take turns sharing our ideas our answers uh it's all very silly all very lighthearted, but we're going to have some fun with these 10 questions i will kick us off with the first one it is on topic if you were in charge of a future run Disney event at Walt Disney World, what does one or two unique elements you would include? So Jeremy, now that we know a little bit more about run Disney, what's something you would add? Uh, my answer is really stupid, but I'll just say it anyways. Um, I was thinking about the fact that run Disney perhaps is not necessarily um, accessible to all people. Um, I, I inherited my father's knees so I have a hard time sustaining uh, running for a long time. Uh, so that being said, I thought, what if we did a 10K, but instead of running, everybody rode scooters, uh, which is the new thing everybody's doing in the parks anyways. And then that way, more non-runners can experience a run Disney in a, in a different sort of way. I mean, there are, there are such things as bike races that are very popular. So why no, not? No, 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 no. I don't want any physical component to this. I just want to sit on a scooter. Oh, <laughs> that run. type of scooter. I was picturing like a Razor scooter. No, no. I'm talking about an ECV uh, mm. medical scooter, you know, the beep beep, granny's coming through kind of a scooter. It's not bad. Then you have a part, you don't have to like dodge walkers your entire day. That's true. And maybe halfway through the course, there's like a charging station where you can <laughs> refill your batteries. So you <laughs> yeah, perfect. <laughs> perfect. So what, I think you already answered this question. Does music play while you're running? Yes. So um, not continuously throughout. And a lot of, and you know, I always have music. Um, so I wear my AirPods during the race, but I find myself taking them out constantly because there are all of these points on the course where there's music and it's just really fun to hear whatever music is playing. Um, and then they have even like, they'll have DJs like just up on a truck alongside the road too. So there are lots of different, and then they also have screens playing. So um, where they'll have film footage that ties in with the race theme. So they would have, you know, villain, you know, a villain segment of a movie playing and the audio from that um, along and it's typically music from the movie along certain points. Okay, cool. Well, then this this might not even be needed, but I was thinking like put some live performers out there, you know, have Mariachi Cobre playing some music as you run by. I thought it'd be a long day for them, uh, but maybe citizens of Hollywood could could yell at you as you run by something like that. No, yeah, they do have, they have, there are a few live performers that you'll get um, like that here and there. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, but I thought for a theme, I think you could do like a sort of retro throwback theme for an upcoming race one day where you have uh, 
old attraction audio playing everywhere you run, you know? It's just playing, like, Horizons or, uh, I don't know, um, any of those extinct attractions, Honey, I Shrunk the Audience, stuff like that. And then I saw that one of the Nautiluses, I don't know if, he, if that's how you say it, but one of the vehicles from 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea was parked outside, and I'm like, man, if you could bring back a bunch of old attraction vehicles for photo ops or, or like, characters from attractions that that no longer exist, you know, as a cast member stresses those characters. I think it could be a fun little throwback. I love that. And I mean, if there's still time, run Disney if you're listening, because what better time than the 50th <laughs> anniversary marathon weekend to get some of that. And and you're right. They did have the Nautilus um, at the, that was before the starting line and you could do photo ops there. So maybe we will see um, more things like that for the 50th. That would be yeah. awesome. You like the Skyway bucket, stuff like that. Mm. Mm-hmm. And the uh, the plural of Nautilus is not a lie. Okay, I wondered. I thought, thank you. Just so you know. yeah. Thank you, our grammarian, grammatarian. <laughs> uh, so, Brooke, as someone who's actually run the races, what's something you would like to see? Uh, so, I have to say, I'm really bummed about, um, even though I'm thrilled the races are back, I'm really bummed about the elimination of the Star Wars weekend um, as a huge Star Wars fan. So... I mean, I would love to see that race weekend theme come back in some way, or I would love to just see Star Wars characters integrated into the races. Um, for example, this was a villains themed weekend and it was, you know, a real hodgepodge of villains from Disney to Pixar. Um, so I, I don't see why we can't have Darth Vader and some stormtroopers in there too. Um, and then building on that, I would really love to see a course run through Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Um, I was hopeful that the Star Wars weekend that ended up being canceled during, you know, the COVID closure um, would have. But that would, I just think that that would be magical. I, I kind of assumed the one you ran would go through Galaxy's Edge. So I don't know. Maybe we'll see. We'll keep watching that marathon weekend course. That's true. I mean, I really think... Based on the success, I mean, it seems like everyone had a good time at the November one. So it makes me think that in the two months in between, they're really going to put their thinking caps on and find ways to make it even better. All right. Number two for our party here. It is the holiday season. That time of year, as uh, Olaf says. And uh, we have the Christmas Day Parks Parade coming up, which is really not a parade anymore. It's just a Parks special anyways there's always lots of performers every year and uh question number two who would you invite to perform at the disney parks christmas day parade derek we'll start with you okay i am fascinated by the new cirque du soleil show that's about to debut to the public or it, it's already had like a special premiere thing um it did i saw it on thursday it's um, incredible it's wonderful. Drawn to life. It is It is absolutely amazing. It is Cirque du Soleil meets Disney magic. It is It is wonderful. Everybody should see it. I think it'll be around a long time. Oh my gosh. I'm really considering getting tickets for when I'm there for the marathon. Huh. Hmm. Okay. Anyway, so I think you can put give them like a little section I, I i remember there was a macy's thanksgiving day parade years ago where cirque du soleil performed and they did like a pirate ship float and it was just had trampolines all over it but they were just like constantly jumping and you know so- soaring in the air and then there were like little floats where they were spinning um out on the street 
And like you said, it's not really a parade anymore, but I, I think to give it some more, like we say on the show a lot, kinetic energy and not just singer, 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 to have like some sort of visual, physical performance, I think could be a lot of fun. And, you know, bonus for Disney, it plugs their new show in Disney Springs. Synergy. Exactly. That's brilliant. I love that. I think it's, I mean, I never watched this special, but at least it would sort of break up the monotony of like song, song, song. Yeah, it's a great idea. What about you? Well, mine is not nearly so creative, but let's see. I, um, I'm a huge Hamilton fan. Um, and I absolutely love Leslie Odom Jr. And, and who was Aaron Burr in the original Broadway cast and he has a couple Christmas albums so I was thinking that he would be a great one and I would love to see him um, since he's got you know kind of that Disney connection through Hamilton Um, and then my all-time favorite Christmas album is Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton's Once Upon a Christmas and I think (laughs) any Christmas Day parade would be made better by having Dolly Parton there. Um. I knew I liked you. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, you're not going to get any arguments from Jeremy. No, I love her so much. Um, Yes, Dolly Parton's always the right answer. Um, My answer, though, kind of piggybacks off of that a little bit because I was thinking, like, who also makes the world better? And that is Adele. Um, I don't know if you've heard of her. She's a little upcoming singer. Um, Mm -hmm. But what I want to do is I want to bring the Father Christmas actor character from Epcot and I want them to do like a little bit together while they sing, you know, like, cause he talks about, he got, gets audience participation and sings, um, is it Jingle Bells or something? I don't remember. Deck the Halls or he sings a song with the crowd. And so I thought maybe they could do that little shtick together and Adele would just be, you know, fabulous in it. This is rep. This is uh, turning out to be a pretty good special. I think. I love that. It sounds great. Um, so shall we move on to the next one? Um, Disney Kite Tales. I love this show. Um, Disney Kite Tales currently has two different shows, one based on The Lion King and the other, The Jungle Book. What film or property should get the kite treatment next? Jeremy, you want to take this one? All right. I don't mean to be that guy, but I'm going to be dark and morbid here. Um, I think you got to do Bambi and... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Bambi's mother flying around and then right before she goes down there's like a <laughs> and then uh, she goes into the water <laughs> oh Jeremy that is dark <laughs> listen I gotta say I'm the biggest Rivers of Light fan ever um, Rivers of Light 1.0 was brilliant genius the general public did not understand it or appreciate it I will live and die on that hill uh, so I'm still bitter that Rivers of Light is gone so I went into Kite Tales a little bitter. Um, sold immediately. I'm obsessed with this show. It is so fun and so quirky, but I smiled the whole time. And even when they land right, it's still the most amazing thing in the world. So I want more Kite Tales. Yeah, I, I really like it. I'm excited to watch it when it's not 95 degrees, uh, but it's, it's fun. My pick is Raya and the Last Dragon. I think, first of all, sort of like the Asian tie works with that theater. But even just like the dragons in the movie, are, are they're so fluid, the way they kind of slither and move so quickly. And I think the kite would actually lend itself to that type of movement. And, of course, b- a beautiful score. 
on that for that movie. So that would be my pick. That would be beautiful. Um, but I am in it for the laughs. So True. I would say when I, I mean, I, it, it is beautiful and they are majestic and they look amazing in the air, but just the, <laughs> the joy I get from seeing those crash landings. Um, so I went with a, a more comedic direction, what I was thinking about, which one I would choose. And uh, saying, of course, with something that fits in the park, um, I would say A Bug's Life. And all I have to say is imagine a Heimlich kite, you know, <laughs> move a giant Heimlich kite moving through the air and crashing and burning. I just think that would be brilliant. That's fantastic. And he's chasing the candy corn flight. Next yes. Door. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. That would be fun. Make it happen. Maybe he has little butterfly wings that are flapping too, like on his back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm a beautiful butterfly. Yeah. <laughs> All great. Love that. All right. Number four. What is a go-to snack, indulgence, or guilty pleasure from your regular life that you wish were easier to get at Walt Disney World? If it's okay, I'll go first. Because this was my question, and I wrote it because I had a specific thing in mind. This is my soapbox, my hill to die on. Now, Brooke, I have to form inform her. Uh, he doesn't look like it, but Derek eats more sugar, and he's like Buddy the Elf. Like his diet consists <laughs> of nothing but candy, and I, I always tell this story because I was visiting him this past uh, winter, and we're sitting in his living room. And all of a sudden he gets off the couch and he goes to the coat closet and he pulls out a gallon size Ziploc baggie full of candy, like a, an eclectic mix of Skittles and jelly beans and all kinds of things. And I'm like, what are you doing and why do you keep it in the closet? And his answer was, so he doesn't eat it all at once. I don't get it. But uh, anyways, so yes, this question is 100% Derek. Put me on blast. Um... <laughs> That is my answer, though. And Jeremy, you're going to know where I'm coming from. You know, Universal Studios, both parks, have a place where you can get, like, pay-by-the-ounce candy. And almost every trip I go in there and, I, like, load up for the week. And we spend way too much money at Universal on jelly beans. <laughs> yeah, but that's our own fault. Like, you can go in there and spend $5 or $6 if you want. But, you know, Disney, even the confectionery, I complained that that candy wall is 95% M&M's. And I'm like, all colored M&M's are the same flavor. This is such a waste of space. I mean, it's it's really pretty and fun and whimsical. Uh, anyway, so I just, I, I think Goofy's Candy Company does have this, but it, it's mostly Jelly Bellies, just different types of Jelly Bellies. And I'm like, you have Goofy's Candy Candy Company, which sells the Sour Cherry Balls and the Mike and Ike and the Chewy Spree and all this. Like, put those in those giant tubes where I can go get, you know, four pieces for 75 cents and load up. But there's nothing like that in any of the parks. And they're just throwing away money. What about you, Jeremy? You know, I'm not a big sweets person. I'm really not. Um... It doesn't have to be sweet. Did I miss... Oh, it does just say snack. That is true. Um, I don't know. See, as someone who just I'm 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 the type of person that eats because you have to. I'm not really a seek out things. But if there is one sweet thing that I enjoy, 
it is uh, cheesecake. And I feel like there's really no good cheesecake options unless you're at some table service restaurant and it's on the menu, the dessert menu. But just to go and get a, like a slice of cheesecake would be uh, nice. Maybe maybe an Epcot somewhere. I don't know. More than likely, it's going to come in a uh, circular pre-molded tin oh, yeah. You're right. pan. But, you know, it's, it's still the same idea. Yeah, maybe they can get a contract with Costco because they have good cheesecake at Costco. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, mine is, this is kind of cheating because it's not from my regular life. Um, I, but it is not at Walt Disney World. Um, my two favorite foods, I think, on the planet are Disney foods, um, but they are both from Disneyland and they are both from Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. And I absolutely love the Ronto-less wrap from Ronto Roasters at Disneyland. It's the, um, we have a plant-based wrap at Walt Disney World, but it's uh, it's based with zucchini, and the one at Disneyland is Impossible Meat, and oh. it is so good. I've heard so many meat eaters say that it's even better than a regular Ronto wrap, so um, I just have been, I would love to see that at Walt Disney World. And then the other one is um, the Cold Brew Black Calf from Docking Bay 7 at Disneyland. It is a cold brew coffee with sweet, like a sweet cream cheese foam type topping and cocoa puffs on top. And it has that really, really good pebble ice in it too. Um, you know the ice I'm talking about, the best ice in the world. Oh yeah. Um, and it is, I'm telling you, it is the best drink. It's the best coffee drink I've ever had. It's like one of my favorite. It's kind of like a treat. It's a little bit sweet, but not overly. Um, it's so good. And I just, I wish that we could have them. <laughs> it's it crazy. I really thought they had gone out of their way to make both galaxies edges identical. So I, this is news to me. It's pronounced edge The plural is edge <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> no, Disneyland gets a lot of the good stuff out there. They got all of the um, special life day menu items in galaxy's edge. And Walt Disney world doesn't have any of those. Um, there are a few other, differences um and mostly i don't know disneyland wins out with those so i would love to see us get them too yeah yeah but people can actually get into our parks so there's the trade-off <laughs> oh got him <laughs> number five if you could create an after hours event for a disney park between the end of christmas and the beginning of halloween what would be the theme now, Disney, is, of course, is certainly not lacking for extra ticketed events or festivals of any type. But, um, you know, Bob Chapek is listening. What's another way that we can make some money with an after hours extra ticket event? I'll, I'll go again because I'm kind of proud of this one. I think in February in the when it's when it's cold, but maybe starting to warm up a little bit. And everybody in Orlando is dreaming of warm weather, maybe. Or maybe they're not. I don't know. You could have sort of a Polynesian, Hawaiian theme party in Magic Kingdom where it's like, you know, wear your Hawaiian shirts or your Hawaiian sweatshirts or whatever to keep warm. But you've got Lilo, Stitch, Moana, Maui to meet. You've got the Toy Story characters in their Hawaiian vacation outfits. You've got Mickey and Minnie from that that old Mickey Mouse short Hawaiian holiday. So Minnie's like in her luau skirt. You can meet them on for the stage show. You can do you know like a, a light version of the luau, you know, with the, the the flame spinner and stuff. 
And then for Space Mountain, you could play Hawaiian Roller Coaster Ride as you're riding it. Everybody gets a free lay when they enter. Maybe everybody gets like one free Dole Whip during their evening. And then, of course, Jungle Cruise and Tiki Room are going to be like the special highlighted attractions of the evening. Just a lot, lots of stuff like that. Maybe there's like a special Tiki Mug. You know, Trader Sam's always has the limited edition special purchase Tiki Mugs. If you had one that guests could purchase that's like Magic Kingdom Attractions, but it's on a Tiki Mug. Something like that. Just go out, all out with Polynesia. Sunny Eclipse. You could change it every year. Like Sunny Eclipse would be one year. The Orange Bird another year. Sunny Eclipse, his show could be switched out where he's singing, like, Hawaiian songs. I like that. He could sing Pineapple Princess. There you go. See? And then you know, lots of lots of food and beverage options there within that theme. I love it. And, you know, at Aulani, um, in, even in the elevators and everywhere, they play, like, Hawaiian versions of Disney music. So they've even got some of that music ready-made, too. Just pull it over from Aulani. <laughs> Perfect. Done. Um, let's see. So you're probably noticing a theme with me um, because I love Star Wars. And I am bummed about the things that um, some of the things that we have lost um, with launch bay closed and, you know, no Jedi training. And there's nowhere to see Darth Vader and Boba Fett or all of these classic characters anymore um, in the parks. So I would love um, a Star Wars themed after hours. Maybe it's for May the 4th. Um, maybe they do a couple in the month of May to, you know, meet the demand of people wanting to do more than just a one night party. Um and then I was really excited about what they did. This is not between Christmas. I'm kind of cheating on um, the rules of the question because it, uh, this would be during Christmas time. But I went to Marius Nights at Disneyland and they said, you know, it was five different parties in all the different parts of the park. And why not do a Life Day celebration in Star Wars Galaxy's Edge? I just think that that would be a home run for sure. And I would love to see that. Now I'm curious, your After Hours Star Wars event, would it be like true to canon like Galaxy's Edge is? Or would it kind of bring back the Star Wars weekend sort of fun? I would like to just throw, you know, throw rules out the window a little bit like they do on Star Wars Day at Sea um, on Disney Cruise Line. It's just a big Star Wars extravaganza. You can see every, you'll see every character and, you know, timeline doesn't matter and if they can get away with it there, then they can get away with it for one night. Well, you know, we used to have the Star Wars fashion show, Galaxy yeah. Far, Far Away, which is <laughs> just, right. you know, the parade of characters through, um, you know, different time periods. So if they could do that, I think we could have a party with everybody there. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yeah. Uh, my idea was for Oscar season. Uh, you could do a, uh, like an Oscars night event at studios. So my thought is like, everybody would show up and maybe dress a little nicer and there would be like the big spotlights out in front of the Chinese theater, maybe like have paparazzi out front taking pictures. So everybody feels like they're on the red carpet. All the characters would be, you know, dressed up nicely and then, you know, have Mickey and Minnie's open uh, for rides. So you entered into the, the Grommans and that kind of thing. But then you could have, after parties set up around the park where people could go and dance and have a drink and just enjoy themselves. And it would just kind of be like being in studios, but with a glitzier sort of feel. And I also feel like it would bring back that old studios feel of the Hollywood that never was, but always will be. It'd almost be like Dapper Days 
that's kind of the vibe I'm going for, but at night. People could dress as their favorite great movie ride character. Yeah, yes. for sure, for sure. But but I mean, I'm just picturing like how fun it would be just to walk into studios, not like in a tux, but certainly dressed a little nicer. And I'm sure, you know, um, you know, people would want to dress in like dresses and that kind of thing. And then people are taking your picture and then you could sell the pictures. It could be PhotoPass standing there pretending to be the paparazzi as you walk down the red carpet asking you what you're wearing and that kind of thing it'd be just fun yeah target um <laughs> it makes you think J. Of Crew. The, it makes me think of that event at disney california adventure where they had the tip top club singers i don't remember what that was for but they had the three women in the lobby in like their flapper dresses singing songs as you walk through the queue because it fit that time period yeah i love that that'd be cool All right, Brooke, do you want to take us to number six? Yes. So of all the decorations and offerings that are part of the holidays at Walt Disney World, what is something big or small that you wish you could take home and keep? Jeremy, you want to start? Oh, my gosh. So I I couldn't think of a good answer to this, but I ended up coming up with I love the Christmas tree at Animal Kingdom so much. And I just love all those decorations as well. So I, I'm just gonna take the tree and also all of the, um, what do they call that new the menagerie? Oh yeah, Mary Menagerie. Mary Menagerie. All those decorations there around the Tree of Life, uh, but especially that tree out front. I just love it. And every time I look at it, I see something like new on there that I hadn't seen before, and it makes me love it even more. Jeremy, I literally have written down. I want the deck Christmas tree. <laughs> there you go. Same, yeah. Derek and I, same minds. I love that tree. And I had to Google it today. I've never seen it after dark. I realized that today. I'm, or, or if I have, I just forgot. So I had to look it up. I'm like, do they even light that tree at night? And they do. And it's very pretty at night. But I can definitely picture it during the day with the big lion head and all the wooden stars. I think it's so pretty. And even like the, the poo figures that are around the edge. like yeah. Oh, that's right. Like on the ground. And you'll see it at night. Because it gets dark now at like 2.30 in the afternoon. So it's, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Seasonal depression's fine. <laughs> yeah. That and the uh, Yacht Club train. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't mind putting that display somewhere in a giant house I hope to one day own. <laughs> well, I, even though I love, love, love Disney Christmas decorations and I bring home an ornament from every single trip, um, mine is almost not Disney themed. Um, I am obsessed with the decorations at Disney's Hollywood studios. They are my absolute favorite. And I think it's just because they remind, they make me think of my grandma's house. And I just love those um, around Echo Lake. I love those big, those circular pictures of Santa and Rudolph with just the, you know, cheesy, kitschy, sparkly tinsel. And I just want to take those home. <laughs> how did how did everyone's grandma have the same de- decorations? Because I saw those and immediately thought of my grandma as well. And I guess back in the 50s, there was only like, you know, two manufacturers of Christmas decorations. So everybody got the same thing. <laughs> that has to be it. And that must be why everyone just loves that park in that section so much. And they play that music that, you know, they that grandma played. And <laughs> it's, it's so good. I love it. Yeah, and then and of Santa course I would Gertie. Take, I mean, if I could fit Gertie in my house, yeah, I would. Yeah, <laughs> if yeah. I could fit Gertie, I would take her. <laughs> the cherry on top, for sure. 
Yeah. All right, number seven. If you could, back to food, if you could create a food booth for any of the Epcot festivals, what would it specialize in? Jeremy? You know, I again, I'm not the food person here. Uh, I did just have, I meant to tell you this, Derek. I had for the first time the cheese bread from the Brazil Pavilion. Have oh, you yeah. had this? I actually have not. I've had it in Brazilian steakhouses. Oh my gosh. Well, it's divine and amazing. I don't know what I was expecting. I, I think I was just expecting it to be kind of like generic cheese bread, but so good. Oh my gosh. So good. Um, yeah, I I don't know because I'm not a food person. Every time I try to think of food, I'm like, they already have this or they have some form of this. So I'm going to go back to cheesecake and just say cheesecake. <laughs> <laughs> a Golden Girls booth, a Miami booth. There we go. <laughs> I would go to the Cheesecake Booth. Yeah. The, the Cheesecake Factory Cheesecake Booth. Sponsored. Yeah. What about you, Brooke? Well, I'm keeping it on the cheese theme. Um, I am always talking. <laughs> if you follow me on social media, I'm always talking about fake cheese at Disney. I love Mickey pretzel cheese. Um, and I would love a booth that just celebrates dippable cheeses like where you could get a plastic cheese flight so maybe it's a beer cheese and a nacho cheese and uh my favorite the peel top cheese and um and you know you'd get a a cup of like pretzel bites or you know soft pretzel sticks or something to dip so that's what i would get <laughs> that's what i would love to see i love a good dip a dippable anything dippable yeah Okay, I had two ideas for this. The first one is very specific to me and probably will not be relatable to many people, but I've recently gotten into Indian food and there are two restaurants in Nashville that I love and one specifically specializes in Indian street food. So they bring out a lot of small plates that you're supposed to share with your party and they all have some really great spices in them. One is called Bel Puri and it's a popular dish that has puffed rice and chopped vegetables and this tangy sauce. Delicious. Uh, of course, samosas are very popular. Samosas are like handheld, uh, for lack of a better description, Indian empanadas with savory insides. There are these little uh, hollowed out fried bread balls that they put like chickpeas and other things inside and you just take the whole thing at once like a shot. All of this stuff is so good and you can't find it at Disney and because they're finger foods, they'd be perfect for the Epcot booths. But onto a more relatable topic. Uh, if you have Indian street food in your city, go check it out. But I think a coffee booth would be really cool and you could have like you said with the cheese flights, you could have a flight of cold brews or a flight of espressos or something with different flavors. You could have coffee rubbed, you know, brisket, coffee rubbed steak as like your savory dish. Jeremy, you could do coffee flavored cheesecake as the sweet dish. And of course, a lot of cocktails have coffee, like a white Russian or a, some sort of bourbon cold brew or something. So I think a booth that exclusively deals with coffee is missing. Okay, I'm going to piggyback off of that then and say I want a coffee, a, a nitro cold brew because Starbucks in the parks doesn't have nitro cold brew and Joffrey's nitro cold brew is garbage. So we need good nitro cold brew in the parks. There you go. Or we just need that Galaxy's Edge black calf cold brew. I'm telling you guys, it's the best thing in the world. <laughs> All right, there we go. We, we like coffee here on this show. <laughs> it's cheaper than cocaine. 
That's a great idea, though. I can't believe that they haven't done a coffee-themed booth. And maybe the folks at Joffrey's are saying, we know why. <laughs> well, yeah, but, you know, food-wise, Joffrey's sells baked goods that were baked off-site that morning, you know. Nothing right there in the booth. So, uh, yeah, because you've got, like, the honey booth that they always do for Flower and Garden. There are booths that aren't specific to a country, but are rather specific to a food group. Yeah, like citrus, honey, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Coffee. Next, coming 2022. All right, Jeremy, what's next? Number eight. With the news that Hayden Christensen will reprise his role as Anakin Skywalker and Rick Moranis will reprise his role as Wayne Zielinski, what actor from the Disney universe do you want to see reprise a role next? So I'm going to go first because I have two answers. One is impossible. And two is, I think, happening if i remember right so the impossible one is i want b arthur may she rest in peace <laughs> to reprise her role um as the cantina owner bartender from the star wars holiday special how wonderful would that be just to see her alive for one but also uh <laughs> just in that role again and you know they had the lego um star wars holiday special that they put on Disney Plus, which is actually really good. I enjoyed it. But I was so hoping from a like a cameo of that character in the special, but there wasn't. So Oh, that would have been so good. I do love that Lego special too. Mm -hmm. Yes, it, it, it's it's a lot of fun. You should watch it. Did you watch it, Derek? I did. It's very funny. Yeah. Huh. That surprised me. I didn't think it would be up your alley, but uh I mean, you know, Star Wars and Christmas. I get two of the three I got. Lego, <laughs> eh, you know. Yeah, it's a little goofy. That's that's kind of why I thought maybe you'd stay away from it. Breaks the fourth wall a lot. That kind of humor. I like that. Okay. Oh, oh, okay. I feel attacked. Oh, 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 calm down. <laughs> My second answer, which I think is actually happening, is Whoopi Goldberg as Sister Mary Clarence from Sister Act. Now, did I make this up, or is that actually going to be a thing? Sister Act 3. Sister Act 3 is definitely a thing, I don't know if, if she has an acting role or is just like behind the scenes, but I do also know she's involved somehow. Okay. Again, to see Whoopi in The Habit again would just be so cool and so refreshing. Back in The Habit. Back in The oh. Habit again. <laughs> yeah, is that what it's called? Sister Act 3, Back in The Habit again. Dot, dot, dot again. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but of course, I mean, Whoopi Goldberg and anything. I was watching Ghost the other day because uh, it's on Netflix. And she's just so brilliant in that. And she's brilliant in everything. So bring her back. And also bring back Brie Arthur to life. Dear God. Okay. He's working on it. <laughs> uh, I also have two picks. My first one is to somehow, some way, squeeze in Dr. Marsh and Dr. Seeker into some future disney property you know from the the dinosaur pre-show like if if disney does another uh night at the museum which they own now you know just have like real quick felicia rashad felicia rashad and i forget his name but the actor be like working at the museum or something as their characters i think would be a fun nod but also glenn close as cruella since mm. we already know you're making a second cruella i think it'd be fun to do like flash forwards 
as Glenn Close, and then flashbacks or present day Emma Stone. Well, and we're getting Glenn Close now, we know, um, in Guardians and yeah. Cosmic Rewind, so that's exciting. Yeah, so clearly Disney has not burned bridges with Glenn Close yet. <laughs> I like how you say yet. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's still time. <laughs> Well, I'll I'll go. So I have I mean, I have trouble going anywhere but from, you know, back to the question because when I heard about Hayden Christensen <laughs> coming back as Anakin or Darth Vader, um we'll see how it we'll see how that um pans out. I absolutely lost it. Um I still haven't totally recovered from the news. Um Ewan and Hayden back together. I'm I've never been more excited about anything than I am about this <laughs> Obi Wan show. Um, okay, okay, hold on. Hold on. I, I have to pause, and because I'm not opposed to Hayden Christensen, um, you know, uh, great. I'll watch it. But didn't everybody like hate him in that role? Am I wrong about that? I mean, everyone who was wrong. <laughs> I just feel like you know the prequels. Everybody hated the prequels, and now they've sort of like had their moment back in the sun and maybe it's just because our generation grew up on them that the people who hated them are maybe older than us but when i saw the hayden christensen was returning and everybody was like cheering it i was like didn't everybody say he was like terrible i think people root i think people root for people though I, he's just been out of the spotlight for so long i think i think now even people who weren't like brooke and at, even at the time, adored him in any role, especially that role. I think people who, he's been out of the spotlight for so long, and he was treated so poorly by the public at the time, then now it's like, you just want to see him succeed. That's where I sit. Well, hell, if that's the case, bring back Jar Jar, you know? I mean, now's the time for him to come back. I, I mean, honestly, I do think more people would be okay with that now than they were in 2001, 2000. 100%. Yeah. I agree. Right. Yeah. I think he really grew into the role too. It was it, it was agree. maybe a little a little shaky in episode two, but I, I think episode three. He, I don't know. I love that one. <laughs> I will say the more I watch them, the more the more I see that he is not the problem. It is the writing. I mean, there were some lines I'm like, I don't know how else he was supposed to read that line because it's just a really poorly written <laughs> line. You know, I couldn't have done any better. Sand. I hate sand. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and somewhere Jake Lloyd is like. When's my day? When's my day coming? <laughs> <laughs> Jingle all the way. That was his day. And I guess I would also say, since I didn't come up with any new ones, um, I, I I guess I'm happy that the MCU multiverse is maybe giving us the chance to never really have to say goodbye to anybody. <laughs> so oh, a few yeah. of those characters that I wasn't quite prepared to lose in Endgame, um, I don't want to... I mean, I suppose if you haven't watched Endgame by now, <laughs> we shouldn't be protecting. But uh, I, yeah, I would love to see some of those characters back for sure. Um, and I think the multiverse and, you know, the next phase will probably do that to some extent. Yeah, that'd be great. I hadn't even considered that. Yeah. Um, okay, I think on to the last question um, on Olaf Presents, which... I absolutely love it. It's so funny. Um, Olaf retells Disney classics. If you could watch him explain a Disney attraction, what attraction would you choose? Derek, you want to start? Sure. Um, simply because I don't totally understand what's happening, I want him to explain Mr. Toad's wild ride to me. 
<laughs> and tell me why we are ending up in hell. I think he could have some fun with that one, as would I. Well, you see, the Bible says that uh, in order to go to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think he'd go there. Yeah. Olaf explains the, the, the plan of salvation according to evangelical Christianity. <laughs> <laughs> that is kind of funny. I took that sort of turn as well with mine in that I want to see um, Olaf try to explain the more morbid ones. Uh, so I was thinking like Fox and the Hound, how it, like it's so like incredibly sad to have him try to explain like the widow leaving the fox. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's just it's kind of twisted. Same with Bambi. You know, I mentioned Bambi earlier. You know, they hear him talk about Bambi getting shot and his little or Bambi's mother, excuse me, being shot in his own little Olaf way. Might be kind of funny for the older crowds. I feel like the Olaf explaining stuff is really for the older people. So, Jeremy, you keep going dark. I know. I'm sorry. It's it's the winter time. <laughs> Sad boy autumn. <laughs> well, when I was thinking about it, I was trying to think about you know the most epic, longest attractions because it's always so funny to see him try to condense as much as possible, um, uh -huh. take those deep breaths. <laughs> um, so I obviously went with Rise of the Resistance, um, and just picturing you know there are already lines that if you've written it more than a few times, like I have, are. You know, so having him be Ray and welcome to the cause and then, you know, in the detention room with Kylo and you have what I want and just imagining him play all those different characters and then explain what's going on out, you know, um, just the fast paced moments I thought would be very funny. Um, I also think it would be great to see Olaf do Carousel of Progress. Yeah, I did have I did have that thought <laughs> and I want him to, like, actually address the sort of problematic lines of dialogue <laughs> in that I mean only a couple but yeah that would be fun also my answer for the attractions one was the making of me I don't know if y'all remember that from Epcot <laughs> with yes. uh, Martin Short that's my answer for the attractions part not Bambi that's great <laughs> yes I don't think it will surprise any of our listeners to know that Brooke is currently wearing a Star Wars top <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm a one trick pony there no, I like it. I like it. Also, the great movie ride. I just—I guess that's kind of a cop-out, but he would just be acting out a bunch of movies in quick yeah. succession. Maybe he can explain those, uh, the, the, cake, the cake layer of dancers to me. <laughs> did, uh, did you watch the shorts, both of you? She's yeah. nodding. I still haven't. Yeah, they're great. So funny. Like, and, and like, it's like two minutes long, each one. So they're not an investment. Hilarious, though. Yeah, no, you can tear through all of them in 15 minutes or so. It's They're very funny. Nice. I just saw Josh Gad on, he was on the Graham Norton show this weekend talking about it. And he he was saying like, yeah, I sort of pitched this idea to Disney. And I'm like, I mean, I think like a million people pitched the idea on Twitter, but <laughs> okay, we'll give you credit. It's so funny because like, I feel like every time something happens with Disney, people are always like, Disney should do X. Like, I've always think about the Monsters, Inc., uh, doors scene and everybody was like this should be a roller coaster you know and you see memes and all that kind of thing and I remember in when Frozen 2 came out and Olaf explained the movie everybody was like Olaf should explain every movie blah 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 and every now and then Disney's like you know that's a good idea we should do that and this one worked out really well so alright well we do have one more question 
Number 10 says, now that Wolfgang Puck and Howard Ashman both have documentaries on Disney+, Plus, whose story would you like to see in documentary form next? And Jeremy, I'll throw it to you because I am sure you have seen way more documentaries than I have. Well, I am the documentary nerd on this podcast and uh, somebody who I think deserves a documentary because he really was an innovator in many ways and he's still with us, God bless him, is Bob Gurr. And I think just kind of telling his life story from a professional and a personal level would be fascinating. Um, one thing that I, I really think is interesting is um, Bob Gurr is, is an out and proud gay man and he has made the comments that... Uh, Walt knew that he was gay and had no problem with it. And I would just love to see that addressed a little bit more because I think Walt Disney gets a bad reputation sometimes as being a racist or, you know, there's like these pro-Nazi sort of ties that people think he was involved with and uh, all that kind of thing. So it would be nice to see someone who had direct contact with Walt tell their story and perhaps show that maybe... Walt Disney was a little more progressive than what he gets credit for. I also went the Imagineer route. Um, I and it's fun, you know, we get to see them. Um, I think for Disney fans, Imagineers are are our celebrities, are rock stars. Um, so I'm not surprised that we both went that direction. Um, I can never get enough of Joe Rohde ever. Um, I'm sad that he's left, but can't wait to watch what he's doing next um and he's already he's obviously been featured a ton in disney documentaries but i would just love you know an imagineering story from start to finish of joe Rody's career um you know going walking us through all of the attractions he's worked on and just digging more into those backstories because i could read his instagram posts all day and just hear him talk forever about it and yeah you know maybe a whole episode on the yeti yeah that's <laughs> what that's what the listeners that's what the viewers want <laughs> I'm just kidding, too. We don't need to talk about the Yeti anymore. <laughs> Give the man a break. <laughs> but also all of it, like, he, he's traveled so much. And so there are a billion pictures that they'd be able to use from that. Right. I think it would be like a mixture of, you know, a behind the attraction, but also a, you know, Nat Geo series because of the yeah. way that he integrates so much of that travel and research into everything that he does. There's a documentary, and I don't know where it can be found currently, but it's him, and it's not a Disney thing, but it's him going to the Himalayas to paint the snow leopards, which are very, like, elusive creatures. And it's only, like, 45 minutes, but it follows him into the mountains to find these creatures. But the whole time, he's sort of just talking about, you know, just life, and it's just very much, like... A masterclass with Joe Rohde, just about art and nature and how, you know, theme parks are this sort of art and then there's this type of art. And I remember watching it and just feeling like, like I said, a masterclass. Like I was like, I need to write this stuff down because there's a lot of good wisdom out there. I think it was on the on the Hoopla app the when I watched it, but Google that Joe Rohde Snow Leopard documentary. You won't be disappointed. Wow. And then did you catch the announcement that he's doing um, that he's going to be doing one of those adventures by Disney, um, the new cruises that they announced was it Antarctica and teaching an art class <laughs> on the cruise too. That would be incredible. Amazing. Yeah, I do think if they made that documentary in 15, 20 years, I guarantee you'd have young Imagineers who were like inspired to go into that because of the Joe Rody documentary. 
Uh, my, I went more the mo movie route with mine. I think uh, a nice Dick Van Dyke documentary is called for. Now I know his career extends way beyond just Disney, but I think someone in Disney could probably do a good job telling his life. And of course, I'd want it to focus a little bit on Mary Poppins and the making of. And Mary Poppins Returns, for that matter. Yeah, you know, he, he had quite the life. I have his autobiography. I haven't read it yet, but he was an alcoholic, too. Like, So that's a big part of his oh. life. Wow, yeah. Okay. You know, Haley Mills just released an autobiography this year. She also might make for a fascinating documentary. Yes. Yeah, I I know, you know, these people, and they should all tell their stories, and they're all wonderful. But I also feel like, as Disney fans... These people who had direct ties to Walt Disney himself, like I want to hear their stories about dealing with him because he has become such a mythical figure that it's nice to hear things that are grounded as well. Yeah. All right. Well, that does it for this episode and for another mad cute party. Brooke, thank you so much for joining us. Do you want to tell our listeners where they can find you online? Yes, thank you. Thanks so much for having me. This has been so much fun. Um, I, uh, like I said at the beginning, I write for a lot of different outlets. So the best place to find me is um, on Twitter and Instagram. Um, I'm at, at Brooke with an E G McDonald um, on both of those. And I, you know, share my stories and the things that I'm writing uh, elsewhere there. So thank you. No, thank you because I almost always get my news from you listeners definitely go find her online she is a great follow and of course you can always find us online at mad chatters instagram twitter facebook all of that we will see you back here in a couple of weeks take a little time to find the magic in every day <laughs>